0: This is First Nature on the Rising Man podcast. Good day to you, Rising Man family. This is your host, Sean Barry, bringing you another installation of the First Nature segment right here on the Rising Man podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, so today, getting into a conversation around balance between mind and body, and particularly how valuable nature can be to help us maintain that balance i know uh, if you're anything like, like me uh particularly if you're living in a first world you know westernized culture society you're likely uh spending a lot of your awake time uh, just processing your reality through an intellectualized lens right so if you think about all that's required of you to go out and and interact with the world outside your door or even inside your door right um there's a lot of intellectual process involved uh, particularly because of our technologies that we're utilizing these days to to create connection and to create purpose and meaning and uh i know for me a lot of times i can forget about the information and the value that my body has to inform my reality right that i'm not just this brain that has a body to move my brain around to do brain things right that my body actually is a big part of understanding about who i am in my holistic totality what does it take to to make sure that our bodies are uh, along uh, part part of that process, part of our life experience, really on a very integral level? And to re- remember how much information, and history, and ancient muscle memory our bodies carry, and then getting our bodies out into nature and starting to drop into our physicality, and uh, you know just have that inner ear to listen. Uh, So without any further ado, I hope you enjoy uh, the show and uh, I'll see you on the other side. I'm out here in northern california just south of san francisco outside of a little town called pacifica and uh if you're watching the video you can see i'm walking up this uh small narrow paved way behind me you can see down a few miles the fog just off the coast but here it's sunny you can hear the cicadas the birds, the low hum of a distant jet. And this is a new place for me. I was looking for a place to go walk and talk and share while I house sit at a friend's place up here. And I found this and it's been a, a good mile walking up this pavement road, watching my mind quiet as my body It's active. And then I came to this patch of woods. So I've been basically walking through coastal chaparral, which is pretty familiar territory for me. And basically it means that nothing really grows much over four feet. So you can see pretty far. Uh, But then I came up across this uh, stand of this little micro forest you might call it i'm actually not sure what what trees they are it's uh <laughs> if someone told me i'd be like oh yeah but they look a little bit like an evergreen and i was intrigued it's like oh what's in there because it's dark it's overgrown. i can't see into it and i started maybe think about what i wanted to share about today so i'm just going to start to make my way off the main trail uh, onto this little side trail that's heading into the deep, dark forest. Now, some of you might be driving. Some of you might be busy doing something at home while you listen. Some of you might actually be outside listening on a walk or something, and that's awesome. But whatever you're doing, I just want to ask you to take just a moment and stop Pause, take a breath. Just feel into your body, feel your body. Remember, you have a body. It's this thing that moves us around and lets us do the things we wanna do. Uh, And for me, it's plunging through this uh, chaparral right now, which is a little more than four feet high. Trying to figure out how to get around to this forest. But if you're anything like me, uh, I tend to just be leading with my head most days, most of the time. Thinking, I'm always thinking. I'm aware of my thoughts, I'm aware of the voices in my head. I'm aware of um, my to do list, my where to be, when list, my uh, constant evaluation of how does my life feel? Does it feel good? But when I say feel, I know that I'm not really feeling it. I'm really trying to psychologically assess the success of my life stays in my head a lot and uh, usually I become more aware of my body when it's not performing in a way that brings my attention to it so you know, if I wake up and I'm feeling good and I jump out of bed and get on with my day and get through all the things in my day and fall back into bed in the evening I probably didn't really think about my body that much other than getting hungry, needing to sit down for a minute, you know, usually to give my body rest. But when I think about feeling the physical, the physical sensation of feeling the emotional idea of feeling, um, I probably didn't check in that much with it. And, uh, and I'm gonna have to turn around right now because the chaparral I'm walking through, at least at this angle, is just not going to let me in. And uh, and this is fun, because as I'm talking, and this is something I, I definitely would love if people started to think about when they're out in the land. I'm thinking about what I'm talking about as I move through this environment, and I'm looking for the metaphorical exchange between the two. Like, what does it mean that I started off on this topic, and I started off on this little... Uh, patch of land here to get into these trees, and I have to backtrack and go a different way. How does that relate to my topic? Well, it might mean that I've I've made some assumptions already. Perhaps I assume that you're in your head as much as I am. And uh, so I will. I'll backtrack from that conversation just a little bit and keep it to my experience. I'm in my head, a lot. <laughs> and But I can definitely think back to the time, as we all can, when we were kids. And when I think back to a certain age, I don't know, I don't really have to go much past 10, nine, eight years old, I try to remember those memories about who I was and those late singular years and the character that comes up for me, the image of who I was at that time doesn't often include like any thoughts. I can't I couldn't tell you what I was thinking about at that age. I can definitely tell you about my environment. I can definitely tell you what I was doing um, regularly and how it felt, the experience of those feelings. And, And so now, just to update you if you're listening, I'm going in a different direction into these woods here very overgrown it's dark i want to say these are uh, cypress no cypress pine i don't know is that a thing but suffice to say uh this forest the trees here the branches come out pretty far 10 15 feet pretty low only two or three feet off the ground so it's almost as if the trees are reaching out grasp you that could be felt menacing or it could be felt inviting right now i'm I'm undetermined i feel like the conversation i'm getting into right now is going to dictate how this force is coming to me occurring to me let me get back to what i was saying about being at that age and realizing that there was a time in my life where i didn't think that much I didn't think that much, and life was fine. Now, I can already hear myself, my intellect going, yeah, but you have no idea all the things that were being taken care of for you without you even knowing that, you know, if you had to take care of them, you'd have to think about them, and sure. That is factually true. I was very well cared for as a child. I didn't have to think about my well being that much. But I would contend, just to extrapolate that outward, as adults, we're not aware, really, how well we are taken care of, especially if you're living in a first world country like America or UK or anywhere where uh, you pretty much are getting to do what you want when you want, for the most part, right? Now, you probably have a job, you're probably very aware of your responsibilities, but again, thinking about that extrapolation from not knowing how many things were taken care of for us as kids that we didn't have to think about to how many systems are in place as adults that take care of us, that we don't really think about, right? So for instance, sure, it's a responsibility for you to go out and make sure you've got food at home for your meals. But you may not really think about the food system, the food industry that is making sure that that food is there when you go to your favorite market. And the foods that are always available when you are, you know, being very specific about the diet you want that you pretty much get to pick, you know, if you have the money for it or whatever money you do have, you have choice about what kind of foods you want, right? So that's one example of systems outside of ourselves that we we have no idea about that are actually taking care of us. So, bringing this all to a point, which is, oh well, look at this! I just sat down and there's a there's a little gopher skull right next to me. I'm gonna pick it up. If you're watching it on YouTube, you can see it right there. Probably he's underneath the tree here. I'm sitting under, so it's probably from an owl, roosting owl, uh, or raptor maybe. Um, Okay, so my point is this, this is really the launch point for this conversation. Um, How much I'm in my head, how much I realize that I'm intellectualizing or psychologizing my, my life experience compared to when I was a child, right? And yes, on some level, so there's some givens, right? There are certain givens, that's just part of you know, human development. Our, our brain comes more online. All the aspects of our brain uh, come more online as we age. That's helpful. Uh, but I guess what I want to say here is I'm realizing for myself how much I'm preoccupied with my thoughts. And when I do take time to get out in nature, uh, how long it can take, you know, a while. Sometimes I'm not even out long enough for my thoughts really to die down and to start to experience that rich, uh, just elusive, quiet, relaxed, um, meditative state that comes uh, once I'm out on the landscape for a while. And almost always I can't quite get there unless I have some level of solo time. So usually I'm going out on my own if I go hiking with friends or a group, um, I probably won't get to that state unless I wander off on my own for a little while and really just drop in to bringing my body to a natural place. Bringing my body to a natural place. And and there's some connection there between the embodiments you know, like, I think of it this way. Like, I'm always, my brain, right? My my sense of self, my intellectual uh, idealization of who I am and what I'm doing in the world is always bringing my body around to do the things that it wants to do, that my my, my intellectualized, uh, idealized self wants to do, my identity wants to do, right? So basically, my body is following around my brain. My body is in, in the employments of my identity. Let's say that. And... Uh, and that has its own set of rewards. But there's definitely points and moments in time where I, f- I feel that gnawing of discontent, that low level vibration of, you know, life isn't fulfilling. It's not, I don't feel that fulfillment. There's always more to do, some other place to get to, some other thing that I have to do, some other idea that my brain has. Become aware of, my intellectualization has become aware of that it wants to bring my body to in order to do that thing to achieve that sense, that elusive sense of fulfillment and satiation of like life is good. Conversely, when I, you know, am able to bring my body out to a natural place, then it switches. It takes a little while, right? I have to intellectualize the idea of I need to get out of nature, right? And I do think there is some of the the, the biofeedback of my body communicating to my identity, my sense of self that is, you know, an unspoken language uh, influencing me to get out on the landscape somewhere. So then I do, I made time for it, but it's kind of idealized. It's kind of an intellectual concept, right? And then I get out here like I am right now and I sit down in this forest and my body starts communicating with the other bodies here, the tree bodies, the bird bodies, the dead gopher bodies, the body of the earth itself that I'm sitting on and this thick, thick duff that feels like a cushion. My intellectual self is aware of all these things. But it can't, it doesn't know, like the intellectual self doesn't know the language that the body speaks to other bodies in. That language that we only get to experience uh as you know to witness it happening. And I know it's happening when I start to feel that relaxation come in. When I feel that big, heavy, full body sigh, that first one that comes after half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour out on the landscape by myself, that place where my body gets the upper hand, and starts to influence my intellect and tells my intellect, hey, why don't you take a break? Why don't you uh, have some fun and and daydream for a minute? Take a nap, just go offline. And little by little, in that kind of space, I start to equalize. happening right now now this is something I've practiced for a while so I'm, I'm aware about the the balance between my intellect wanting to track how my body does this and to grab a hold of it and make sense of it <clears throat> and the way that I've disciplined myself is to just acknowledge there's that there's that third sense of self right you call it your soul spirit, that voice behind the voice, that voice behind your voice, that can watch it all. That can watch my intellect try to figure out how the body, what the body is doing in this moment. And that voice can remind the intellect to just rest. It doesn't, that it doesn't need to know everything. That in fact, the intellect wanting and trying to know everything is unhealthy for it and to just be witness to the body, to the body doing what it does right now. The main thing the body does, your body does, is sense, right? You've got your five major senses, touch, taste, smell, hearing, and seeing. Huge, huge inputs. That only come from our physical self. <laughs> Realize if you put your brain, if you took your brain out and put it in a a clear canister full of all the nutrients it needed to, like you know, stay alive, it literally would not be able to sense anything. And you know, I don't know what our sense of self would be. Uh, horrifying, I would imagine. <clears throat> So just that we have this body and the way this body moves and operates, just the fact that our body is designed to propel us through the physical world. You know, we don't root like the plants. We, uh, we take ourselves through multiple environments. We have these amazing sensory inputs to then experience those environments. And to me that says, Uh, To me, I mean, that's a huge, a huge uh, element, if not the biggest element to understanding who we are as individuals. And not only as individuals, but who we are as part of the larger fabric, not just of our species, but just of everything on this planet. The flora, the fauna, the mineralia. I really really enjoy thinking about the numbers that uh, anthropology and uh, paleontology and archaeology and geology and the big huge numbers all those um, large time span sciences deal with because it really helps my intellect wrap itself around perspective and to find balance within itself and to make room and space for this other physical elements to exist and have its, uh, you know, to get its needs met, to, to accept and receive what it wants to bring in and inform my intellect about. It's not just our five senses. Some studies say we have over 50 different senses, right? I mean, those five major senses are the physical ones that are directly related to, uh, you know, a, a part of our body, but there's other sensory input, you know, there's sense of balance, there's sense of time, there's uh, our emotional senses, right? So that, that blend between, you know, the synergy, the, uh, the, um, Uh, what's that systems theory uh, concept of emergent the emergent property of our uh, intellectual uh, perception mingling with our physical perception and producing an emotional perception right in the same way so systems theory is pretty cool emergent properties it means like looking at all the properties of hydrogen and looking at all the properties of oxygen and neither one of those elements on the own would indicate the possibility of water. You could could not uh, calculate the the possibility of water from just looking at one of those two elements, but when you put them together, somehow water forms. So in the same way, looking at our physical self and our intellectual self, and just looking at those two in, in their own isolated environments, you would never perceive that an emotional existence of who we are would the product of those two coming together. But I would say that is that is the main uh, you know the root of how we actualize ourselves on this planet, how we feel. And really sticking with the feeling, the sensation, doing our best to, to, uh, you know, we're so intellectually activated, right? So when I say, how you feel, you might have immediately started jumping to like, how do I feel? Happy, sad, joyful, angry, frustrated, bored, lazy, right? We have all these words that represent, re-present how we feel, but those words are not our feelings. And so asking our intellect, again, just to drop, Drop that preoccupation with needing to understand and control be on top of it. And to just witness, asking our intellect to just witness the feeling, whatever it is. As I sit here and continue just to watch myself drop into this place I let my vision as I continue to scan left and right, up and down, and just become more accustomed to this place. Right now that I've looked at, you know, the 360, well, the 2, the 270 of this place, a number of times in the last few minutes I've been talking. Uh, the sounds I've been hearing for the last five, ten minutes. It's taking in the temperature of the air. the feel, the the slight breeze that's drifting over my skin. Right, this place has become infinite, like largely more familiar than it was when I first walked in, largely more. That has nothing to do with my intellect. There's nothing to know. There's nothing to know. This is just about letting my body do what it does best. all the information i'm gaining just by sitting here and being present and tracking the you know the feelings yes there's words for them but just tracking them first and foremost just noticing that i have a certain quality to whatever fragments of thoughts are running through my head and they're getting more fragmented because as i sit here and just really put my attention and focus on the, my natural surrounding it's almost like thoughts start to disappear the intellect, intellect the intellectualization starts to diminish and there's like an opening there's a space for something else to be present within me you could call that the voice behind the voice the soul the spirit if I was to bring it into a a scientific perception I would say it's the it's the recognition that you know if we drop really deep into the science there's no difference between the natural surroundings here and me like literally down to the atomic level, they are one and the same. Even up to the cellular level at a certain point, they are the same. Most of the things around here, living anyways, probably share 40 to 50%, if not more, of the same DNA that you and I have. The same genetic coding. So I like to wonder, from that point, you know, what is what is the design of that? What is the ultimate intention of life in that? Considering how much we have taken, <sighs> taken the nature around us and manipulated it into so many fantastic things, right? which kind of brings me to my final point for this, this kind of thought experiment, which is, um, you know, think of it this way. So I, when I was walking up this hill, uh, I was thinking about what's over the ridge. How could I find out what's over the ridge? Now, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 years ago, your ancestors, your ancestors, right? The people that you are genetically linked to that come from that long time ago. They probably didn't have an intellectual process around that question. They probably just kept walking till they got to a high point and then they looked over to see what they could see. And to me, that's, that was, that's indicative of a much, a much more balanced, uh, a balance between the intellectual and, and the physical selves that we have, right? That the intellect doesn't have to get very involved to solve that problem. And in fact, the, the solution is almost exclusively a, a physical, that uh, lands squarely in the physical realm of achieving, right? Somehow the body intuitively would know um that if it wants more information about the landscape it was going to have to propel itself to a different vantage point not that it's entirely devoid of some intellectualizing uh, but there was an integrated you know there wasn't there wouldn't be any popping out of the environmental circumstance to to understand the solution to that problem that it was still present and fully engaged and involved Uh, within the experience itself of walking on the land and being present to that moment. So, for me, walking up this hill, as I'm sure it is for a lot of us, I was looking up at the ridge and thinking like, oh, I wonder what's on the other side of that ridge. And my first impulse was to break out my phone, open the Maps app, and look at it in satellite view to see if I could kind of figure out like, you know, What was it just another ridge was there a cool valley on the other side was there a body of water like what was on the other side and and i know and i've done that you know dozens of times and we're doing things like that all the time where we're, we're popping ourselves out of our physical embodied awareness and the reality to go fully into an intellectualized pocket of focus you know so to pull out this tech piece of technology my phone and to start thumbing around, start pushing on this, you know, hard piece of glass while electrons are buzzing around and, um, you know, photons are emitting out of the screen into my eye. And my eye is assessing and assimilating all this symbology. All right, the amount of symbology, think about that, how much intellectualization is required to just even understand what you're looking at when you're thumbing through your apps. the computation of symbology. And so to get lost in my phone there for a few minutes, right? And knowing that my body in that moment doesn't maybe know what to do with itself. And I don't know if I physically experienced that, but I do know that there is a different mode. I I definitely slip into a different mode when I'm hiking around And and then I want to know something about the land I'm on. And instead of actually diving deeper into the knowledge of the land with my body, I actually pop out of the land entirely to go into my my intellect using a device, using technology to understand the land. So this is really just a call, a reminder about um, just tracking ourselves, noticing how much we are living in an intellectual, intellectualized, wow, I'm having a hard time saying that word, how much we're living in an intellectualized paradigm compared to our ancestors. And again, thinking about, um, you know, when were the first maps drawn? I don't know, let's let's go back, I guess it'd require paper, right? So paper's probably, I don't know, six, seven, 8,000 years old, I'm gonna guess. Um, up until now where we've got you know satellites giving us up to the minutes uh you know detail down to the square meter of anywhere in the world we want to project ourselves into through our technology but prior to that so that we're talking you know not even 10,000 years probably but prior to that all of the knowledge of understanding where we were in place and space was completely contained first and foremost in the body like the body would transmit the information it gathered to the mind, not the other way around, which is kind of how we have it now, and how much all of our technology is, you know, geared that way now, where it's it's a it's a mind-out relationship we have with our bodies and the planet, an intellectualization intellectualization first and foremost that then informs our physical self and everything else at ourselves. I'm guessing 200,000 years ago, it was the opposite. You know, so much of what our uh, intellect was able to grasp, our, our, our nascent intellect, whatever it was understanding and grasping, it was getting informed from the outside in. And the main thing I really want to kind of close with is looking at how far, how long we, were, we, we lived and relative uh, symbiosis with our environments from that perspective, from the outside in, from the, the physical uh, exterior world and forming our interior intellectual world. That we, uh, you know, we grew as a species into the millions and we're able to maintain uh, some kind of harmonic symbiotic Balance with the environments that were actually sustaining us. And then looking at it now, let's go back, you know, 15,000 years to, you know, around when the agricultural revolution, as it's called, started to really take hold. How that required a certain level of more intellectual engagement with uh, developing technologies and techniques, right? Techniques turning into, into technologies that required more of an inside out. Uh, living growing into today, where increasingly more and more and more, uh, we are looking at our exterior um, through these baffles (laughs) of our phones, our devices, you know, everything we're doing has some kind of technological interpretation uh, that's buffering us from the actual thing outside ourselves. And I would connect that to the state of our environment, to the state of our countries, to the state of our, you know, what our, our economies are based on. And realizing that, um, you know, if we're using the planet itself as a as a uh, indicator of balance and a barometer of how well we're doing with our, uh, you know, uh, living in harmony, um, it's not great. It's not great. So let's wrap this all up. My challenge to you, my awareness—you know—maybe let's, let's not make it even a challenge. Let's just uh, let's just make it a, a, a willingness to be aware, to think about moments, trying to catch yourself in moments where you are experiencing your exterior world through an intellectualized paradigm probably being, you know, um, serviced by some technology, high-level technology, right? Our phones, our computers, our cars, um, electricity, uh, you know, all the things out there that uh, enable us to live the lives that we live right now. And just to watch, to look, to see if we can catch ourselves and and whether or not we're leading through our intellect or whether we're letting our physical body lead and guide us and what the difference is between the two and noticing our relationship with ourself, like that third voice getting behind and just just witnessing, watching, watching when the intellect grabs things and controls things, watching when our bodies have a moment and an opportunity to actually lead us and to look how those two may be unaligned, even in conflict, And what does it take in those moments to bring yourself closer to balance? My guess is (laughs) that's gonna be to stop doing something, to actually stop doing something first and foremost. You know, they say, based on most studies, That indigenous cultures around the world back in the day rarely had to work more than you know work, meaning you know put in some kind of high caloric exertion into their days for more than three or four hours, roughly. I mean, this is all. This is I'm basically putting (laughs) decades, decades and books worth of studies into a couple sentences. But in general, they're saying that indigenous the indigenous lifestyle overall didn't require a lot of busyness three four hours a day average to maintain uh, a quality of life that felt safe secure uh, provisioned for that's what our body that's what our body's accustomed to that's what our intellect is accustomed to tens of thousands of years tens of thousands of years that is what our body expects, it's what our intellect expects. It's what it's what the the it's what the emergent property of our emotional body, our emotional experience expects. I'm gonna let this airplane pass. I'm just watching myself now. There's been a lot of air traffic here actually as this airplane crosses pretty close. Um I'm just watching it disturb. There's a disturbance in my flow right now. Not just what I'm trying to say, but I popped out of this place. I popped out of this forest. And as that sound fades, I'm letting myself come back to this place to finish with that thought. I don't know how many of you have done, you know, any uh, investigation on where your people are from. And I don't mean your European roots or your, uh, you know, South American, North American, African roots are, but your old, old ancestors, the ones that were still walking around on their feet, hunting and gathering, where are they from? And letting yourself just do imaginary regressions back into those places, those villages, those clans and just imagining your experience where you knew that all you had to do is get up, make sure you had enough food for the day, make sure you had enough water for the day, that your loved ones were taken care of that you had uh, whatever uh, you know basic technology needs met, containers, Uh, hunting implements, processing implements uh, set for whatever work you wanted to do for that day and then you'd go do that work until it got too hot and then you were done. And you were done. And the rest of that day and, and most every day you had spaciousness to let your body just be what it wants to be. To let those five senses and all those other secondary senses uh, start to inform our intellect. And to be in that hybrid space and giving ourselves the spaciousness and the openness and the time to let that emergent emotional understanding of self uh, have a place to, to breathe. And to know that it wasn't necessarily attached to an identity of you know some picture of what individual success looked like the way we do now you know our basically our picture of success these days is completely externalized and material with material things and just to notice that just to notice like if you dropped all the material pursuits of what would indicate success how would you know if you are living a successful life. What does that measurement look like? What's that metric? And I feel that if you take yourself out into nature by yourself and get quiet, and really drop down into that place where your body gets to uh, reconnect with the land and starts to bring in all this sensory information to your intellect, that your intellect gets to go into the witness position. You start to feel that deeper sense of fulfillment and start to feel that deeper sense of relaxation and satiation and that sense of needing to do, 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 do and go, 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 starts to diminish. And we get to just be in that delicious sweet spot of feeling the sense of accomplishment. Of not needing, feeling the need to do anything in the moment, but just be present. I feel like that's where you can start to reconnect to the true measure of, you know, success, successful living. And if we are able to do that regularly, I mean, imagine if you could experience the fulfillment of success, whatever that means to you emotionally, right? Just keeping it to just the, the, you know, not the exterior experience of it, but the internal experience of it. If you can get to a place where you're starting to experience a sensation of feeling successful while doing nothing in the middle of a, you know, natural landscape. Imagine how... (laughs) Imagine how uh, less busy the world would be if everybody was getting that the way our ancestors did, right? And to realize that there are still communities, there are still indigenous communities who are living that way with that intact sense of there's, there's not more to, there isn't anything more to do. You know, we think about them as being primitive and uh, behind the times. But honestly, they're not suffering. It's not like they're suffering they're actually, they feel the fulfillment of living a successful life, right? They've already achieved it. We've created so much, you know, trying to exterior, you know, create this exterior presence of the representation of that success. And we've gotten caught up with all that it takes to, to create that exterior visualization that we've lost, I think, I know that I have, i'm trying to rebuild it but i've lost that that contact with that deeper sense of feeling fulfillment and and the feeling of success and accomplishment just through the simple act of getting out and connecting with the land so i'm gonna leave it at that for now um I'm realizing as I'm talking that I, I may not be articulating it as well as I, I want to. So really the takeaway from this is just get out on the land. Get out on the land by yourself. Get out on a trail where you're not going to run, run into people. Get off the trail. Right? If you're on a popular trail, just wander off. Find a little nook, a nice little shady nook. Bring some water. Bring a snack. Uh, I would I would encourage you not even to take a journal. You know if you're prone if you like to meditate if you are doing that kind of like you know work with meditation or just you know developing the spiritual self go out there with that intention but not to like do a a uh, a meditation and the practice that you in the way that you normally do but to go out there with the intention to be in a meditative state instead of taking the focus inward and focusing in on yourself Let your focus go outward right so just invert your focus and let your focus go out onto the landscape start thinking about the landscape as a mirror start letting your intellect calm and and drop the worry and the schedule and the and the needing to know what it means and letting your body have an opportunity to do what it does which is to open like a flower and to sense to take in your environment and to synergize with it to sync up with it to know that in this forest i'm sitting in right now that there's a vibe there is a way of being in this forest that is different than the way of being uh just you know 50 yards out here in the chaparral and my body knows that my intellect doesn't need to get engaged at all and that's powerful wisdom because if you walk into every room and on every street and step into every conversation, knowing that each of those are their own small, enclosed environments, that your body has as an idea. Your body has leadership. And to me, that's the most important thing here, is that um, if we let our bodies really just utilize, take, give them the time to take in the information and assimilate the information and present that information in a way that is conducive to informing our intellect that it it transforms it'll literally transform how we do the world how we do life okay enough said um hope you enjoyed this share and uh yeah get out in the land get out on the land All right, that is the show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and I uh, hope you got something that uh, spoke to you. And uh, if it did, I would, I'd love to hear about it. I really would. So um, please do uh, drop a comment on uh, whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, I really do look for those and um, I'm more than happy to engage anyone in a discovery conversations around uh, how does this inform us and, and shape our reality and, and uh, help us move forward in life right so um that being said just uh, reminding you check out risingman.org again um just some wonderful programs you know i can't really speak highly enough of um just what we're trying to build here and the quality of, of brotherhood and connection and sincerity and authenticity where we're really wanting to um just hold and share with each other so please do check out the website. Last thing I'll ask is, you know, if you are enjoying what you hear, whether it's First Nature or Monday Morning Meditations or the Rising Man interviews that Jetty do, uh, Jetty does, um, you know, if you leave a comment or leave a rating, uh, it really helps kind of bump up the algorithms and it just gets it out in front of the men, you know? Like the more numbers we have, the more the message becomes prevalent and the more it comes across other men's feeds who are, you know, looking for something like this to support them. And we would love to, um, you know, we would, we would love to get that, to get this message in front of those men. So please do hit the like button, leave a comment, subscribe, all those pieces would be wonderful. And um, thank you again so much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, I always love to finish by saying uh, find out who you are inside by getting outside. I'm Sean Barry. I'll see you next time on the First Nature segment on the Rising Man podcast. Take care.